on Macquarie Radio NTS. This is What's Cooking with Nerida Conway, bringing you a tasty assortment of all things food and wine. And hello and welcome to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. I'm Nerida Conway. I've got a really good show lined up for you today. First of all, we'll be chatting to head chef... Uh, Oliver Gould from the Shore House in Perth. He's only a new sand groper to Perth. We'll have mixologist Joe Tardivo on talking about Rufus Bar, which is a fantastic new bar in Melbourne. Also the owner, Stuart Brookshaw, of Henrietta's Charcoal Chicken in the city in Melbourne. And chatting to Ian Curley from the European about pineapples and, and what exciting things you can do with those. And obviously then answering your Curley questions. Guess who's coming to dinner with Nerida Conway. Hello and welcome to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS with Nerida Conway. On the line I've got the very talented chef, uh, Ollie Gould from the Shaw House in Perth. How are you, Ollie? Good, thanks, Nerida. How are you going? I'm good, good. Now you were, just for our listeners, you were at um, the Stoke House in Melbourne. Mm, and then you for went... For a long time. For a long, long time. And then you went to the Shaw House. What is it with you and houses? Uh, I'm not too sure. It's actually, <laughs> it's actually probably more so than following the, uh, the beach lifestyle. So well, you over, do that, yes. Yeah, over, over here in uh, Perth now, working uh, just north of Cottesloe at Swanlawn Beach. Right. Okay, so that's the nudist beach, isn't it? Uh, do people wear yeah, clothes when they come to your uh, restaurant? <laughs> I haven't, I haven't been down there to, uh, to suss things out. Yet, okay. So I, I hear some stories. <laughs> so do you have a please at least wear pants when you come to dinner at the Shaw House policy? E- e- exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always a good start. Um, so tell me what sort of food is there because um, just recently some friends of mine ate at your restaurant in Perth and they specifically rang me to say it was one of the best meals they've ever, ever, ever had in Perth. Well, in oh, Australia great. actually, but, oh. but definitely in Perth. And um, they just said they could not fault a single thing. So there you go. Beautiful. That's yeah. Good feedback. Yeah. <laughs> so what um what what sort of food is on the menu? Well, we're basically just trying to highlight uh, as much West Australian produce as possible. And and for me, coming over uh, seven or eight months ago, it's exciting um, to, to to see what's out there. Uh, obviously, being near the water, uh, the menus uh, very strongly seafood focused. Mm-hmm. Um, which is great because WA has some fantastic seafood uh, mm. right off along the coastline. Um, so not really trying to do anything, uh, you know, too complex. It's it's a casual fine dining environment. So hang on, really casual just, fine um, dining. Yes, if you, if you can, if you can call it that. <laughs> so fine dining in the nude? No. No, not quite. <laughs> okay, not so quite. so so fine dining in terms of. Beautiful decor and and you know linen and the whole works, but laid yeah. back because it's at the yeah, beach, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. A little bit like Stokehouse upstairs used to be. Uh, cl- close, not not as uh, not as refined as um, Stokehouse, okay. but, uh, but get it, getting there. Okay, so. awesome. Mm-hmm. And so, when you say local seafood in Perth or in you know from WA, what sort mm. of things like what what sort of seafood comes uh, from there? Well, I suppose at the moment we're using some Fremantle octopus, which is fantastic. Mm. Um, Marin's down from from down south. Um, so Marin is a bit shark. like um, yabbies, is that right? Yeah, it's a freshwater crayfish, basically. Uh. But, um, a, a smaller version and probably looks more like a more like a, a yabby. So right. delicious, um, fresh, sweet, um, sweet non salty yeah. meat, Yum. which is great. 
um, there's a great region here called Shark Bay up near um, <coughs> Geraldton, which does mm. fantastic tiger prawns, um, scallops, cuttlefish as well. So we're, we're really uh, we're really lucky, and, and, and you know, not to mention all the all the live fish. Oh, that's awesome! And are you enjoying living in Perth? I mean, the Perth experience because I actually lived there for a couple of years, and okay. um, I was lucky enough to live in Netherlands, and Cottesloe Beach was my local. Yeah. We used to have the Sunday sessions at the Cottesloe yeah, Beach, which was awesome. <laughs> have you done that yet? I, I haven't. Uh, I haven't had any Sunday sessions as yet. Um, uh, but you know, a lot of beach time. I think that's the that's the highlight of Perth, which is yeah. Melbourne. Melbourne doesn't quite no. have so close to its fingertips. So well, and also um, the weather. So you were just telling me a minute ago off air that the weather's freezing there this morning, which is bizarre. Mm. I've never heard of that <laughs> in my life in Perth. Yeah. But um, you were saying it's about five degrees, which is yeah. just. Mind-boggling. Pretty crazy. Um, uh, but, my, yeah, my, most of the year's been incredibly hot. And it's lovely and dry heat, isn't it? So it's not yeah. that sort of humid thing. Yeah. And yeah. then you can just go to the beach. And also there's beaches, for our listeners who haven't been to Perth, it's a must. It's just so ridiculously beautiful. But there's just really close beaches to every single suburb almost. It's like mm. a 10-minute drive mm. at the most, isn't it, pretty much? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, for Melbournians and particularly when I lived in St Kilda, St Kilda Beach was the place to go a lot of the time, so mm. you know, going to Cottesloe or City Beach or Trigg is, uh, is a nice highlight, uh, particularly for me. So Yeah, and you uh, know what? There's probably less hypodermics floating in the water in uh, Cottesloe <laughs> than there is in St Kilda. <laughs> Just saying. <Most> likely. <laughs> <laughs> the bay gets a bit gross after a big stormy yeah, rain exactly. <laughs> compared to Cottesloe Beach. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, okay. And so have you, have you had a chance to eat out at any other restaurants in Perth while you've been there? Uh, I do the round fairly often. Um, you wouldn't know it because you, you know, you're sort of lean and tall. Yeah, well, I've, I've been work, I've been working on that for a long time, and I, guess, I get nowhere. Oh. I think I, I was I was thinking the other day. I, you know, the five two diet that seems to be popping up. It seems to be now. Is uh, that five I, days of eating, two days of fasting, or something? Yeah, but but I, I I think as a chef, it probably goes the other way. It's almost five days of fasting when you you're busy in two days of oh. uh, two days of eating. So not that not that I. <laughs> Not that, I, not that I do that a lot. But, uh, but you're tasting all day. So I reckon, yeah. in a way, um, I think, because I, I feel like this too, when I'm sort of on a Sunday, it's nothing like, okay, don't get me wrong, it's nothing like what you do, right? But <laughs> on a Sunday, I, did a, I do a big cook for my family for the week. Yeah, yeah. And I, um, I will sort of make, I don't know, five or six different meals that I can just kind of, mm. you know, pull out of like a spaghetti bolognese sauce or whatever it might be, and just yep. so I can pull them out and heat them up and serve them to the table with mm. five minutes before everyone goes feral. Yeah, great. Um, but on those day, on Sunday night, I find I'm just not even remotely hungry because I've been tasting food yeah. all day. Yeah. And I wonder yeah. if I put all of those little tastes onto a plate, if that would actually <laughs> equate to sort of a big meal. It probably would, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. I've just refuted your claim that you don't eat five days a week, Ollie. <laughs> and also, you get to taste really yummy food, whereas I just get it's to taste, true. you know, bolognese sauce and stuff. Oh, I'm sure that's great. <laughs> Well, it is great now that you've now that you've mentioned it. Thank you. <laughs> Probably not as good as yours. Um, now I need to ask you this very serious question: What's Do that? you have the Ollie seafood pie on your menu? I don't currently know, but coming into winter, it, it, it may uh, <coughs> rear its head again. And I'm actually I'm actually um, doing some work at one or other, one or other venues called Beaufort Local and. Uh, that's proposed for the first menu as well. So okay. when you are when you are over here, it will, will you make it for me? Somewhere. Okay, great. Because <laughs> I've got to tell you um, and our listeners that Ollie at the Stoke House used to have on his menu an 
It was called Ollie's Seafood Pie. And it was, I still think about it. It was so <laughs> yummy. It was so ridiculously tasty yeah. and just so good. So I would love you to make that for me when I come to Perth. Will do. If that's Will all do. right. Yeah. And um, the other thing, what else? The other thing I loved. Um, oh, the other thing I'd lo- that I would love you to do, because <laughs> I haven't had a good one for ages, a really good seafood chowder. Yeah. They're very uh, hard. I, I think I've done a, done a few of those in, in my time. So I think, uh, yeah, that, that's actually a good idea to put on, uh, put on the menu. Thank again, you, I thought so. So I'll, 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 do, I'll do one at the can you call it, and one at both at the Good, and can you call it Narita's Seafood Chowder, please? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ollie Gould, thank you so much for chatting to us today. And, um, okay. yeah, can't wait to get over to the Shaw House in Swanbourne in Perth at some point. Great. Thanks, Narita. My pleasure. You're listening to What's Cooking with Nerida Conway. And welcome back to What's Cooking, Macquarie Radio NTS. Now in the studio with me, I've got a very interesting bloke sitting here, Joe Tardivo. How are you, Joe? I'm very well. How are you? Joe is a mixologist, which is very fancy. And um, he's a mixologist at a wonderful new bar that I went to the other night. I was so excited by it that I had to get him on to have a chat to you. It's called Rufus and it's in Paran in Melbourne. And it is the whole experience is... So memorable and special from woe to go. You sort of walk walk up the path, the little garden path, up up a side lane, and it's all kind of stepping stones and really lovely. Then you go up to the top of the stairs where you're greeted by a very handsome man in a tux <laughs> who takes you to your seat. And it's just phenomenal. There's, it's small and cosy, but there's beautiful chandeliers hanging um, and it's themed around Winston Churchill, I believe. So can you tell me the, the backstory of the bar? Yeah, I mean, as far as it goes, we don't necessarily consider it a theme. Um, well, we're called Rufus, and yeah. um, Rufus was Winston Churchill's dogs. Winston <laughs> Churchill had two dogs. So we're named after uh, his dogs, really. Um, and we're more a celebration of Winston Churchill's love for food, uh, his love for drink, and of course his love for Rufus, his dog. Which, you've, which they've nailed, I've got to say. Every single minor detail, including the glassware, the oh, every single thing about it is just gorgeous. Like you really feel special sitting in there. Well, thank you so much. Um, and I, uh, I, I was really excited when I looked at. I mean, I love cocktails, mm. and so I was very excited when I looked at the list. Um, they weren't crazily overpriced, even though you sort of could imagine that they could be given the surroundings that you're sitting in. Absolutely. And um, the beautiful ingredients. Now, I had, and I'm sorry that I haven't got the name right, <laughs> but it was a, effectively an espresso martini. Oh, fantastic. Type yes. thing. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What do you call it? Well, this is our pressed coffee cocktail. Oh, pressed coffee cocktail. That yeah. sounds so much better. Um, well, the reason being, we don't actually have an espresso machine. Yes, so right. So we were thinking, well, what can we do? Because people are going to want espresso martinis. Yeah. And it's just a thing that people drink. I love it. It's my favourite. People favorite. don't even look at a menu. They sit down and go, I'll have an espresso yeah, martini. Yeah, right. So our pressed coffee cocktail, um, yes, it, we use French pressed coffee, which mm. is a little sweeter, a little lighter. Mm. It doesn't require that much sugar. It doesn't require that much dilution. And um, that's exactly how it tastes. Absolutely. That's and then exactly how it tastes. We um, mix it with a bit of brandy yeah. and uh, some Pedro Jimenez, which is a very sweet sherry. Yep. Um, it's got some chocolate bitters and that's just oh. stirred down and served with some um, house-made almond brittle as and well. And that was gorgeous. So a little tiny plate came out with some a little wedge of, um, of um, peanut brittle and it 
It, oh, and you know, you said to me as you served it, you said to me the the brittle just goes beautifully, and you're so right because I swigged down this beautiful um, coffee cocktail and then had a bite of my brittle, and it was really yummy and just so so lovely, Absolutely. just a lovely experience. And then of course the food, there's there's um you wouldn't go there for sort of full scale meal, but it's like little tapasy type dishes yes. that came out for food. So there's you know plenty to eat. But we had a very hilarious 1970s um, prawn cocktail. A seafood cocktail. Absolutely. And it was really, really tasty. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's in the iceberg lettuce. It's got the prawns hanging out of the martini glass. It was um, absolutely delicious. And uh, we shared that. And what else did we have? Little Yorkshire puddings with the um, the beef in the middle. Well, the lamb in the middle, yeah. Was it lamb? It was lamb, yeah. Oh, it was lamb. Oh, I thought it was beef. So that's, yeah, like, it's uh, like 24 hours local. Oh, it was delicious. Yeah. It was really good. And um, I'm just trying to think what the other cocktail Emma had was, because I really loved that as well. It was a, can you remember what she had? She gets it all the time. It's a, It was a soury sort of ginny sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Soury Ginny thing. Put that on your menu. That'll be will. a big seller. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> What's your favourite cocktail? Um, that's such a broad question. It I really know. depends on what I'm in the mood for, I really. Um, I'm a big Negroni fan. Oh, I, like, I love Negroni. I like my bitter, strong kind of... It's apparent. I want my alcohol to taste like alcohol. Right. That's kind of what we so are you going like whiskey. for. I'm a big whiskey fan. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, with alcohol tasting like alcohol, we want that to come across yeah. in our cocktail list as okay. well. Like... Winston Churchill wasn't necessarily a huge cocktail fan. Like yeah. when he drank his martinis, it was essentially, um, you know, cold gin. Yeah, you know, right. The vermouth bottle was across the room. He didn't want anything to do with vermouth. Okay. Leave that. How do you there. know all this? Um, I think, as a bartender, it's kind of. I important. mean, how did you know about Winston Churchill? What he used to eat and drink. Um, research basically. Yeah, you just right. need to, so it's I mean, out there. It's definitely out there. Gosh. He was an infamously. Decadent with Was his he? lifestyle. Really? Yeah, during like, you know, um. So what? So like, so because I did notice that on the walls they had like um letters that you framed. Yes. That are from Winston Churchill or to his pet carer, to the dog carer. That is correct. Yeah. They are hilarious. Yes, they're absolutely adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, and they're from... original. So obviously, you can get stuff online. Yeah, about absolutely, him. it's all there. Wow, it's, it's all fascinating, there. isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. And how did you personally become uh, a mixologist? Like, how did you know that that was what you wanted to do? Um, I became a bartender. Uh, I didn't know that, that was what I wanted to do. Really, okay. I went to um, art school back in Adelaide, where I'm from, right. and then I moved to Melbourne um, uh, probably about five years ago now. Mm. And um, I suppose the hospitality scene is so prevalent here. It's just like something that I wanted to be a part of. Yeah. And it excited me. Um, and it's just definitely developed and I've done more and more and more. And yeah. now I'm here. Right. Venue in Paran. Where do you, where do you like to um, drink yourself when you're out and not at work, um, uh, I generally you? yeah, I generally stay in the city. Um, Joe's shoes is good. I love Joe's shoes. I love it's Joe's fantastic. shoes. And the fact that you can get a pizza delivered from the yeah. place next door is absolutely. That's in wonderful. High Street Northgate, everyone. Yes. If you're wondering, it's terrific. It's really good, and they do a good espresso martini as well. I've not had one, but I'm sure I will have one. <laughs> and where else? Where else would you sort of go to drink? I loiter around the city when I'm drinking. Yes. I suppose uh, I'm a big fan of Heartbreaker. Oh, um, I haven't been there. You must go. It's fantastic. Okay, it's an American it? style dive bar. Um, it is in the, on the corner of Lonsdale and Russell Street. Okay. It's, it's fantastic. It. Okay. Yeah. Um, obviously, Siglo. Yeah. Well, I used to work at Siglo. I know. That's why I said <laughs> <laughs> Just thought you should give them a plug. Absolutely. They don't need I enough. I was there last they, night, they've actually. They've got enough publicity. Yeah, they have. <laughs> 
Oh, that's awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming in, Joe, to have a chat to us about um, mixology and things like that. Uh, Go down to Rufus, everyone in Paran in Melbourne, and have a look. It's just absolutely divine. You'll find it quite easily. And say hello to Joe. He's awesome. I try. And uh, thank you so much for coming to chat to us on What's Cooking. No, no worries. What's new with Nerida Conway. And welcome back to What's Cooking, Macquarie Radio NTS. I'm Nerida Conway, joined in the studio now by Stuart Brookshaw. How are you, Stuart? I'm very well, thank you. Now, you've got a very exciting new project on the boil, with, on the on the char grill, I should say. Exactly. Yes, and for a sommelier, a little bit of an unusual move. Yeah. Well, so tell me, tell me, first of all, about the sommelier business. Uh, what took you from that to what you're doing now? And tell our listeners all about Henrietta's. Well, it all just came about working with uh, regions and, um, and and local producers. So over many years, I've been similarly for nearly 25 years now, wow. um, it sort of dawned on me that it was just more than just wine. It was yeah. about produce and it was okay. about food. And so I worked a lot over the years with uh, small producers, especially overseas. Yeah. So I moved out, of, as all good sommeliers do, they go work in wine marketing for a long time. Okay. So I moved across and worked in um, uh, in export for the Australian wine industry for about mm, nine years as well. Wow. So I worked uh, closely with the uh, Meat and Livestock Association, doing a lot of work in China and Japan, mm. Hong Kong. And it was um, all about beef back then. Yes. And this was like <laughs> 10 years ago. But I realized when I was over there that everybody was actually eating chicken. So okay. uh, coming coming back to Australia, just I just realised that there was uh, a lot more work to be done in that part of the industry, mm. and uh, I just realised that you know chicken was probably the next thing that was coming through. Yep. So talking with um, a lot of friends and um, uh, fellow people I'd worked with in the industry over in London, mm. um, they thought it was the same thing as well, and the the, the same sort of trend was happening over there. Mm. So look, I think you can't. I mean, you know, except for our vegetarian friends, of course. Mm. Char grilled chicken. No better smell on earth, is there? No, no, no. So you don't need a business car when you've got chicken on charcoal. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, uh... You could just kind of drape your shirt over it in the morning and wear it and kind of people would be attracted to you. Yes, yes. Like... I don't know. You might get a hint of it this morning. You know, it's, I think it goes through everything that we Armani have. Armani chicken. <laughs> It's Armani incredible. should bottle it. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. And so tell me about your new little place that you've just opened. So, yeah, so out of all of that, Henrietta was born, really. Mm. So it's been something that's been on our mind for about four or five years and uh, probably should have come a lot a bit, a, a lot quicker than it did um, because we've ended up bringing in those gorgeous friends I was telling you about overseas. Who yes, have right. now jumped on board. Oh, good. So, Where are they um, based? Are they... Uh, one in Dubai, one in London. Right. And uh, all friends we used to work with oh, and, you know, in, so cool. in London, like in the mid-90s back in those days when we were all travelling doing our That's sort awesome. of, you know, backpacking restaurant tours. Yeah. And uh, so we've just, yeah, all got on board together. And have they got restaurant backgrounds as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, so Daniel was ex-Fat Duck. Yeah. So he was Fat Duck GM for about yep. nine years. Yep. And uh, he was opening uh, a dinner for Heston over in Dubai. Okay. So he's got stuck in Dubai now doing that. Okay. And, um, but just an old friend of ours. Mm. We all used to live together in Sydney. And wow. So, um, that would have been amazing kind of uni student style yeah, <laughs> you know when you have those conversations in your twenties that you know yeah. we're going to do something together yes. one day. So, uh, That's so, 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 good. so, so, this is it. But for us, it was. Um it also came out of, you know, the restaurants because um, uh, my partner and I also had Albert Street Food and Wine yes. for, for a long time. Yes. And uh, we were working a lot with chicken and technique and, and what we were doing there. So we just realized that we wanted to do something that was a bit more casual and relaxed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but using all that restaurant technique that we've been working with for, for a long time. So and you're in where, Flinders Lane? 
We're in Flinders Lane, um, in Melbourne, yep. Fulham Place, just off Flinders Lane. Okay. So it's our uh, our first little spot, but we've been doing pop-ups for about two years. Yeah, right. Yeah, sort of roaming around doing that and trialling it all out and getting it right. That's a great way of doing it, isn't it? Yeah, good way to test it yep. and um, and just see what we need to do because we knew it was going to yeah. be good. It's like old chicken at the end of the day. Yes. But, um, but what we're trying to do is work with sort of rare breed and, and uh, more sustainable farms. So Yes, yeah, so I was going to ask you, um, where does the chicken come from? Yeah, so we work with Bannockburn is our core range. Yep. Um, and we also use Milloa, yes. so the Miller Organic Range. Yep. And we're just waiting for Summerland's um, chickens to come online from Milking Yard, which okay. is the, the rare breed farmers up in Dalesford. Right. Um, Beautiful. So we've got... Uh, they're probably going to be ready about June. And do you think you can tell the difference in taste with um, taste and texture of chickens that are sort of... Look, it's not uh, it's not wine, mm. you know, so mm. you know, it's not like you're comparing mm. Cabernets from different regions. Yes. You definitely don't get that. Yep. Um, I think what you get is you get a, a heartier, more flavoursome bird, I find. Right. You know? And okay. it's um, when you're looking at those sort of the old broilers that you get out in sort of, you know, most supermarkets yeah. nowadays, which are sort of, you know, got to be bred within 35 days. And, yeah. and uh, it's a quite a different thing when you've got a bird that's been living for about you know uh, six seven weeks yes and um, and they're just they're tougher they're, they're better on the char grill yeah, they, right. they hold the the whole the work that we're doing to them quite well because right. we brine for twelve hours oh wow so the brining is a, is a big part of it okay so it's, and that means that you put it into like a bucket of salt water is that's that right? that's that's how you used to do it okay and that's how we used to do it at, at, at Albert Street but yeah. what we do is we use the Heston technique if right. anything we actually inject brine so oh. it's an injection technique because we're trying to do it on the char under grill under the skin or where does where it do goes you... into the joints right and into the breast yep. and into the um, into the legs right so what you're trying to do is obviously break down all those tendons and, yes, and, and trying to get tender. it, yeah, make it all ready. It's just a curing process mm. at the end of the day. So if you soak it, you, you get wet skin. Yes. So what we're trying to achieve is crispy skin. Right. So um, so we're trying to avoid all that process. Yeah. So we keep the skin dry, and uh, and you can do it at home. Yeah. It's, it's not I'm going to try. I'm going to get a, out my. As I say, it's not a, it's not a hard thing to do. <laughs> it's just you need the time to do it. I'm going to get out my Nurofen syringe <laughs> <laughs> from the drawer, well, fill it up use, with salt water, anything. and you can't soak it. You can just soak it. Then you just got to dry out the chicken overnight that's yeah, all right, but okay. it does it does change it and it's um and we find it's a quicker process as well which okay. just helps us when we're in a restaurant so how how far in advance do you do that to the chicken we do it 12 hours okay. so we we tested at the beginning between sort of 3 hours 12 hours 24 hours yep. and we found that sort of 10 to 12 hours was a really nice little you know sweet Perfect. spot yeah, yeah right um so what am i going to see on your menu well, we, it's obviously all about the char grill. Yes. So we're doing lots of things with vegetables, so pumpkins and Yum. eggplants and everything's being cooked on the char grill. So, oh, how delicious. So uh, we actually have reduced the oven size and all the cooking size to just put in a nice big massive char grill so Gorgeous. we can do everything on so it. So our vegetarian friends can come in. Lots of vegetarian options. So that's the other part of it. We are trying to be the quintessential Aussie chicken shop. Yeah. So, um, do you do, oh, please tell me you do chips and gravy. Absolutely. Do oh. chips and gravy. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, that is my week. <laughs> so everything you find in your local chicken shop, hopefully we're, we're taking it to the next level. So you've got your oh. coleslaw, but it's um, but it's with vinaigrette. You know, you've nice. got your potato salad, but with its homemade herby dejeuners and, and lots of herbs, Yum. ancient grain salads, that sort of thing. So we've got about eight salads on rotation. Gosh. Um, so it's our, Do you our, make them in-house? Everything's done in-house. Wow. Everything's done from scratch. All the grains are done from scratch. Golly. Um, using all cheeses from the Arrow Valley. So it is, you know, local, local, mm. local. So we're just trying to keep it all Victorian. Love it. Which is we're lucky with because we've got some you know awesome chicken and everything coming through. Love yeah. it. Now there's something very else, something else very exciting that um, I actually saw you post on Facebook this mm-hmm. week, 
And that is that I can have your chicken delivered to my house. Oh, absolutely. Tell me about that. Oh, we love Uber Eats. Uber uh, Eats? Oh, I haven't used it yet. I want to. Oh, they can come here. We're um, not far from oh, here. Oh, my goodness. Bianca, we should seriously, on the show next week, let's get Uber Eats to deliver us some food whilst we're on air. That'd you be hilarious. You can get anything from almost anywhere in the city at the moment. Um, I think they started with about 50 restaurants and yeah. building, and I think it's been going two weeks So now. what happens? They pull up in the car out the front of your restaurant. They are the classiest delivery drivers I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. They pull up in their little suits and ties <laughs> with their bags, yeah. you know, and, um, and very, very smart. And yeah. it's... Uh, look, I think they're going to move into bikes in the city, which is probably going to help them a yeah, little bit. But yeah. it's, uh, they've been amazing. We're... And then they drive. And so how much does it cost so, to drive it to my house? At the moment, it's free delivery for the next two what? weeks. So oh, my that's, gosh. Yeah, yeah. So you can, and then it's only going to be $5. So oh, we're actually how getting, do they make money out of that? I have no idea. We don't mind. They're delivering that's our food weird. to your door. So that's good I don't for care. Us. Yeah, yeah. I, that sounds amazing. But we're getting, we're probably getting 15, 20 deliveries a night. But um, I think the radius is going to be five kilometres from the inner city. And okay. then they're going to move out to 10 kilometres. Wow. So as I say from, you know. But would the food spoil by 10 kilometres? I think it's going to be dependent on the cuisine and okay. what works. So um, I think the chicken should travel okay. Yeah. Chips, maybe not. Um, yeah. So you might be have a little bit more specific. But it's, <laughs> maybe just put gravy on the side. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. That might be the go. But it's, it's going to be revolutionary, I think, because it's the <laughs> First spot outside of America that they've done it. Gosh. And uh, so little old Melbourne, you know, gets the opportunity, which is great. Yeah, that's so exciting. Okay, I'm going to this week order some of your beautiful chicken and salads and chips of gravy, of course. Yep. And uh, have it Uber Eats delivered. And um, I shall get back to you. That'd be fabulous. I might even throw oh, in no. a, a free gravy. Really? <laughs> it, as long as it's good gravy. I'm very, very fussy about gravy. Made from scratch. That's the difference. Yum. Yeah. I don't want chicken salt, though. No, no. Don't use chicken salt. No chicken salt. Good. Nearest. Chicken salt's gross. A lot of yeah. people love it. I find it blah. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah, absolutely. I just like normal no, salt. Good normal salt. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And uh, are you working crazy hours? Uh, look, no, we're all good. It's, um, yeah. you know, obviously we want to take Henrietta's to the world. Like That's weekends? Plan, you know, so weekends? no, close on Sundays, okay. so it's the city. Um, but we are looking at doing something um, probably in the eastern suburbs or wow. down south. So, you know, the so you're going to have a chain. Well, there's going to be a few. Okay. So, yeah. Are you going to franchise them? Can no, people buy a franchise no, we're not from a, you? No, we're not a franchise. It's all going to be okay. us. Okay. But, um, but, you know, we can see little Henrietta's on every little corner. Oh, how exciting. Well, can you please open up one in Brunswick? Done. Great. Awesome. Love it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stuart Brookshaw, for coming in today Pleasure. to chat to us about Henrietta's. Go and give it a whirl. You can even have it delivered with Uber Eats. You're listening to What's Cooking, Macquarie Radio, NTS. Tasty. The latest local produce for you to enjoy. And you're listening to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio, NTS. I'm sitting here dancing to that boppy tune with Mr Ian Curley. It's a new tune. I think that's better. Than, can I have that as my tune from now on? Well, no, because you've got the curly questions. Yeah, it always sounds a bit weird, that curly questions thing. <laughs> well, it's a bit, yes. I like that. Well, there you go. I just yeah. wanted to brighten your day with a bit of boppy music. It needs to be bright. Look at that weather out there. Oh, it's shocking. Yeah, we've arrived. Now, um, you normally come on the show each week to do curly questions, which we're going to do next. Yes. But in the meantime... Right. I wanted to ask you all about pineapples. Pineapples, yes. I'd, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that. Because You're working been, with? Uh, golden pines, or tropical pines, they're right, called tropical them. tropical pines. Right. Okay. And, uh, you know, known as the king of fruit, but yes. also, yeah, tropical pines. So pure gold pineapples, which you'll, the difference being is they don't get transported with the crown. So that, The crown is the big sticky bit, yeah, sticky, the spiky, spiky bit, bit on top. Okay. So... 
amazingly, now I didn't know this until I actually went up to um, Beerwar and Yapoon to have a look at the uh, plantation. Right. But they replant that, and that's the pineapple. Oh. So it's completely sustainable. So they cut off the head part, yep. and then they stick yep. it in the ground. Break it off. Bang. Chop. Bang. And it grows in the ground. In the ground. And it's totally sustainable. Incredible. Weird. And uh, I never knew that. It kind of looks weird, because it's like these all these spiky things that are sticking out of the ground. Yeah. How long does it take to grow? uh, 18 months. (gasps) 18 months up to two years. Gosh, it's quicker to grow a human. But, um, yeah, in fact, the way, the way you think about that, yeah, it's absolutely right. But um, they, they cut the crown off and they replant it. And it's quite incredible because mm. up near um, the Glass Mountains up there, it's just incredible. And, uh, and I was out there thinking, how beautiful is this up here? And oh, also, when you, when you cut the into them, because and, and the sun, sun ripens, so yeah. you're eating them and it's really juicy and, and so, so much flavor. Yeah. I thought all pineapples were created equal. No. And then these ones seemed a little bit smaller than some of the other ones, but way more flavoursome and more flavoursome. And they don't, you know how you get sometimes when you eat a pineapple, you get a furry mouth? Yeah. These ones don't have that. You can actually now, eat the whole thing. I do get a burning mouth, like Not, a burning tongue from eating pineapples. What goes on I with that? I don't think you'll get them off this one. Okay. But so, what, what, what is it about pineapples that does that? They've got an enzyme in that that actually gives you a firm. It's actually quite a bit of an antiseptic. Ooh. But uh, this is, uh, these ones don't do that. Okay, because I have heard, um, I was complaining to someone the other day who just didn't care less and wasn't listening, that I have a sore throat at the moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was you, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and um, And... Uh, that, you know, they were saying, oh, I have some pineapple. Yeah. And because uh, apparently it's very high in vitamin C. Yeah, it's great for you. Yeah. And, and also the whole thing is good for your digestion. I mean, there, there isn't anything it's not good for. Like you can use, you, if you get mm. an insect bite, you rub it into it and that's good mm. for that as well. But I'll be attracting flies because it's sticky. Well, no, no, because it actually heals it all <laughs> up. And also you can also lick the um, where you cut your pineapple on your little saw and all that. And then yeah. I can lick my saw. That's really gross. Yeah, yeah you know, it's, it's your own thing. It's your own <laughs> DNA. Um, but the, the great thing with these, they grow in different sizes and stuff like okay. that. And amazingly, you know, you peel it and it's just, just beautiful. Mm. But also it's one of those family fruit, mm. you know, like an orange is an orange and a mm. banana is a banana. But also the pineapple, you cut it up. And I refuse to believe if you can put a uh, pineapple out, mm. people actually eat the whole thing. Yeah, they Kids do. Kids will go in and out and pick it up. And yeah, stuff they like do. That. And it's just fantastic. Yeah. Well, I um, wanted to talk to you about uh, the, uh, the fact that they're – are they all year round or when – Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all year round. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because um, I saw some of your recipes the other day yeah. that you're making yeah. with pineapples. Yeah, job. Yeah. A little bit of a pineapple challenge for you. Yeah, pure gold. And um, – yeah. Honestly, I was stunned because I thought, oh, that particularly the pineapple duck curry. Yeah. Well, we, we, oh, my goodness. We, as I say in Australia, because I speak for the whole of Australia, the, um, <laughs> we, we normally see them as a dessert or a piece of chopped up fruit. Yeah, and that's, also, that's usually yeah, the extent of it. In Asian cooking, it's not like that. No. So they see it as like a bit of a cross between a, a, a vegetable as yeah. well. So in yeah. the curries and stuff, and it adds a beautiful sweetness yes. and a tartness. And you'll see it. I mean, I cure fish with it, the whole thing. Yeah. And, and I think it's, you know, I treat it like a... You know, a little tangy lemon, if you like. Yeah, so um, tell me what you did with the king, the um, tartare kingfish. So all I did was I cured the kingfish with So you get a pineapple. whole raw side. Yeah, and I cured it with a little bit of salt. And what does that mean? That means sprinkling the salt yeah, and sugar? Yeah, the salt onto it, and then I lay the pineapple over the top of it, so you get this beautiful tangy little citrus taste on top of it. And how long do you lay it in salt? About an hour. Oh, is that all? Yeah, yeah, well, it's fish. It's, it's not like it's tartare oh. beef or anything like that. Didn't you say fish. sugar and salt? Sugar and salt, but the, the sugar comes from the pineapple. 
So, oh, so you don't okay. actually add too I much see. sugar. Right, so right, right. There's a little bit of sugar in there, but also it actually it's osmosis. Yeah. Essentially, that's a scientific word for it. And it, dra- it draws out a bit of the Absolutely. liquid from the yeah, fish. Yeah, it draws out the liquid. Okay. So that's it. It pulls it all out and you slice it and lay it up. And also then when I, I compress the pineapple and make mm. it look, look chef-y, you know, yes. a little bit of chili and spring onion on it. And also I had some uh, lolly, lollies the other yes, day. Yes, yeah. And uh, they were little. They looked like um, I was going to say they looked like styrofoam, but that's the wrong expre- wrong yeah. description of it. But it yeah. did, and I popped it into my mouth. Butterfly. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, it was ridiculously delicious. And I said, "Oh my gosh, what's this?" And you said, yeah, "It's pineapple. dehydrated pineapple, yeah, right. as is, nothing as is. added." No, I said, we just dehydrate the pineapple. It's incredible. Incredible. And beautiful tasting. Like crunchy in your mouth. Like. And really, like lollies. And so if you have children and they are a sweet tooth and yeah. you want to give them a treat. That's it. And they're great for school, school yes. lunches and all that sort of stuff. It's great. Do you have but to have a fancy dehydrator to do that, though? Well, they've got to dry them out, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't put them on the roof in Melbourne. But, I mean, you, you can dehydrate <laughs> them. But you can buy these dried fruits, and which I think are great for um, kids' yeah. um, okay. kids school thing. But also, when I was a boy, we used to have a thing called pineapple chunks that we used to buy from the lolly shop. Oh. And we used to have lolly shop back in the day yes, when I was young. Yes, I loved those. So you pay your 10 yeah, and they get them in the bag, bag, and that's it, and that would be it. And what was, what was it? Just dehydrated pineapple? Well, it wasn't. It was all like sugar and stuff. But oh, it yeah. tasted like pineapples. That's the thing. <laughs> like, but, but they were really jubes. Yeah, yeah, but essentially. <laughs> but they were like quite hard, so you suck on them and oh. go for a while. But that's the thing. With pineapples, you can compress them, and you like basically you squeeze all the juice back into yeah. it when you compress it. And all chefies like us and all that, they yeah. do it. And my bomb Alaska, we sell so many pineapple <gasps> bomb Alaskas. That was delicious. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Except, um, you know, the blowtorch. A bit scared of that. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, you don't do that. But you can do it just with an oven, a hot oven. Like can 220, you? Yeah, 220 degrees. Doesn't it melt into, the ice cream, though? No, no, because that's the whole thing about the bomb Alaska. Right. You make the ice cream, you cover it in the egg white around the outside, you throw the, the Italian meringue, which is the way you make the meringue, into, the, into a hot oven at 220 degrees. And right. it sets the egg white and it also it warms the uh, ice cream through so then when you cut it you've got the ice cream people go how does he do that yeah because doesn't it melt no 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 clearly not but i'm just no. saying i don't my brain can't compute i know that's the whole thing <laughs> bomb alaska so it's a bomb so it's on fire and it, the ice cream's there it's like you know oh, it's one of those it game of thrones so things it's like got these things so oh, look what happened there it's yeah. very delicious and yeah. then you cut it open and it just oh Ice cream oozes And we out. sell so many of those with the roasted coconut and the uh, oh. and with the um, pineapple. And the great thing with these pineapples, if, when you strip everything away, yeah. the value for money, yeah. they cost four bucks. Well, you not know. even. I saw them the other day, even less. Yeah. yeah. And great thing with these ones, because they don't they don't travel with the crown, so that gets replanted. Yeah, and also so there's more, more in a box. More in a box, yeah. That's why it's cheaper. I just wonder, though, how, if it takes 18 months to make one. How on earth did the farmers make any money? Well, they've got fields and fields and acres Gosh. and acres and acres of them. And also, a couple of years ago, they didn't have a very good crop. But this year, apparently, the crop is fantastic. Right. So, we've got to start using more and more pineapples. Okay. And that's the thing. Get behind it. So, right. that's the thing. Try and spruik some pineapples and get more stuff yeah, out there. Yeah, and they're that's available all year do. round. That's it. So, what else have you got on your menu at the moment? Uh, I've got lots of different stuff on at the moment. Because mm, we're now coming into chilly weather. Yes, it's autumnal, as, as you call it. What's Aut- that mean? Autumn. Oh, autumnal. 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 So, yeah, lots of mushrooms, pumpkin, that type of stuff. Mm. Not a lot of hearty stuff. And I'm, I'm into it. So, this had, is my favourite time. Okay, actually. well, I had dinner at the European last night. Okay. And uh, I had... Uh, well, I had a bit of everyone's, yeah, because that's how I roll. Yeah, as you do. The beef Wellington, you enjoyed that, superb. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Deb had uh, pepper steak. Yeah. And that was brisk. No, what was it? That blade. Yeah, oyster blade. 
Oh, yeah. every time I make oyster blade, I wreck it. It's tough. Yeah, yeah, you've got to, to cook no, it No, really this quickly. was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Like, so flavourful. I think your steak is outstanding. Yeah, we're doing We've got an in-house butcher. He's fantastic. Really? So, yeah, and we're okay. in, I'd have to say, in the last eight to ten years, the the food at the European is like growing better and oh, better. And then my beautiful. new head chef, Peter, he's doing a great job. Well, the staff also was yeah. so lovely, just yeah. for, you, for your info. Yeah. They were just gorgeous. And we'd have to quantify. Actually, as soon as I seen you, I went home. <laughs> So we can't just say it's because I was there. It's because I left. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> was it something you know? I said or did? Uh, because Monday you scurried nights, off really quickly. Monday nights and night I cook for the missus. So <laughs> Fair I cook, enough. I cook for the missus. Oh, she's night. so demanding. Oh, tell me about it. You know? But uh, yeah, Monday uh, night is kind of like our little thing where she gets nice. to tell me exactly what she thinks. So I just sit there and go, yep, that's right, dear. Good. Yeah, good, good for her. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, can you please uh, come back in a minute and talk some curly questions? Fantastic. Is there any pineapple questions? No, I think we've covered pineapples now. Okay, well, pure gold will be happy. (laughs) Curly Questions with Nerida Conway and Chef Ian Curley. That music is back. (laughs) (laughs) And so are you, and so am I. (laughs) Welcome back to What's Cooking. I'm with uh, Ian Curley from the European Kirks and French Saloon and Spring Street Grocer and... And the wine shop? Pure gold pineapples. <laughs> Love a duck. I've got another one coming. Have you? Yes, I won't tell you about it now because it's oh. like, we won't we won't spruik it. Okay. Just when it comes, you'll go, really? <laughs> there is there is there is no end to what I'll uh, say yes to. There is no end to your talents. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Well, we've had quite a few curly questions this week. Really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I quite can't. a few about duck because you are doing a bit of yes. love a duck. I'm doing love duck. I'm, yeah. your, I'm hearing your ads on the radio all I'm the time. I'm making May love a duck month. Right. Make May love a duck month on, uh, okay. in Melbourne. And in fact, all over Australia, apparently. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's been good so far. But uh, a couple of people have been um, texting me pictures of ducks in compromising positions and stuff Hilarious. like that. Hilarious. You know, like, what are you doing with this? And how, do, how did I get to this position? <laughs> and stuff like that. So well, there, there I've are got some to, cruel people out there. I've got to tell you that your duck curry is ridiculously delicious. That's a nice one, that one. But I find children aren't a big fan of duck. How do I how do I make it more kid friendly? I think people have to understand you treat duck like a steak, yeah. so it's got to be rare and it's got to be cooked quickly and mm. stuff like that. Unless you're going to roast it all the way through, mm. and then you you accept the fact that it's covered in duck skin, yeah, and it's and it's flavour. There's but it's lots quite of flavour. Rich, I think, for children. Yeah. They were like, oh, it tastes like funny chicken. Yeah, but eat less. <laughs> and also, what well, they're not they're not used to it. And yeah. also, that's the thing. There is nothing better than duck no, fat. No, I love I think, it. I, I think it's I stunning. I love duck fat. I love it I think it too. it's great. And I, I love it with, with potatoes and mm. it makes everything crispy and stuff like that. I love it. I'm really into it. How do you, how could we um, serve it up for children in a way that to introduce them to duck? Well, I think, you know, like we're saying about with the, with the do a confit with the, the legs and stuff like that because mm. it kind of like it dries out. the A lot of the fat comes out of it yeah. and stuff like that. And you shred it and it's, you know, a lot. Not it's not like lamb because it has, has its own taste, yeah. but also you just treat it as a, as the meat for what it is, yeah. and also you know it's a duck and it's you treat it like steak as opposed to chicken. Yeah, and I, I find that chicken, you know, unless you've got a really really superb chicken, it'll taste the same anyway. You yeah. know what I mean? Whereas duck's got its own definite Flavor. taste. Yeah, I, I, it does. I, I, I love duck, and, yeah. and you know, I love a duck. Do a great product. Yes, they do. All right. Now, first question. How right. do you make a good light batter for fish and seafood? Always use soda water. 
Right. And uh, I use rice flour. So what you use is basically, or mineral water is fine, but okay. also soda water, and it gets the aeration. So right. So you, I just simply take my rice flour. Rice flour. Put it in a bowl. Yeah. Pour in soda water. Yeah. Whisk it up. Is that it? Yeah. Essential. That's, That's it. it. And then what I do is I coat whatever I'm Bit coating. Of salt? In a, the thing with salt will attack it, and it actually gets it all agitated, which oh. is not so bad. So I, whatever it is I'm using, I'll season just before I put it in. Right. Or what I used to do is if we were doing zucchini flowers, mm. I used to salt them first, and that would draw out the moisture because yes. you want everything to be really crisp. And to stick to it. Yeah. So, so if you've got zucchini, score them deep, fr- and then. Salt them yep. so that it draws out. You get that beautiful salt taste actually on the zucchini. Yep. And then you dry it. Dry your zucchini before you okay. fry. Then I used to dip it in the rice flour and then dip it into the batter, then fry it. Oh. Fry it. Fry it. Fry it. Yeah. <laughs> very nice. And make sure the oil's hot. A lot of people think, oh, the oil's too hot. It isn't. Mm. You actually want it to get golden brown very quickly to seal in the juices. Okay, yeah. yeah. And you don't want it to be gluggy because that's no, foul. No, that's it. And also, you've got to make sure we need to dip it out. I mean, the mm. thing with it is people look at it and go, oh, it's so simple. Mm. But actually, you've got, you, there's quite a bit of an art to it. Oh, so yeah. when you hold, you'll see chefs now have got the big long tweezers. Yes, Basically, what happens is the same with a piece of fish. When you put them into a fryer, the, the oil should be hot enough to take whatever it is away. You'll see it kind of it swims away from yeah, you. Yeah, right. Whether it's the zucchini or a piece of fish, you put it in, and the oil will start to cook the thing, and it pulls it away from you. Yeah. That's the thing about it. It's for, it's, there is a skill to it. And you'll watch, if you watch the old guys who used to make fish and chips, yeah. when they used to put the fish in, they don't just chuck it into the fryer. Mm. They hold it by the tail, yes. and it takes it, and it actually goes off. So that stops it from sticking to any of the right. sides. You know? That's a very good tip. Gosh, oh, that's yeah. a tip within a tip. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'd like to help. Well, you're a very good helper. Um, how do you make a roast dinner gravy, or should I just buy it? Is it easier to just buy Gravox? Well, of course. It's, well, I don't know if you buy Gravox. You've got some beautiful soups now. Oh, mm. Sorry, stocks around, like, you know, lots of different farmhouse, kitchen-y type things. You can never be, like, in a professional kitchen, we mm. make lots of sauces and mm. stuff like that, and it's still one of those things that we do every day, which we probably, if you, look, if you stood around and thought about the time involved mm. in it and the cost, it, it's pretty expensive. Mm. Me personally, if I was if I was the everyday person, yeah. If you're I, making I'll a roast it. tonight, yeah. If I was if I was making a roast tonight and I wasn't in the food industry, yep. I'd buy it in. Okay. But and then I would have my flavors, whatever seasonal. Like, there's lots of pumpkin around at the mm. moment. Have make a pumpkin gravy and stuff like that. But okay. it's but, but because I'm in the food industry, mm. I just take red wine sauce home with me. <laughs> you know. Well, I'm going to do that too now. Next time I'm in the city, I'm going to go in with a container. I'm going to say, here you go. Here's some money. Can you load up my container? You'd be surprised <laughs> if if you're on good relationships with your um, with a with your local restaurant. Yeah. If, you, if you if you go and talk to the chef and say, any chance I could get a Buy little bit of chicken stock or mm-hmm. some gravy, they're ha- happy to help. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's I mean, awesome. I was forever doing stuff like that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and and I think we get people come in. We've got a lady who comes in just for our muesli. Really? Yeah, and she doesn't. We used to buy, have her muesli bought in. And yeah. She hated the new muesli. Right. So she only wanted the, our old mueslis, mm. but I refused to keep buying muesli that somebody keeps burning. Oh, so when yeah, we were making it, my lot would burn it. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And it's so, expensive. Yeah. So we yeah. bought it. was more expensive when they keep burning yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so then we ended up like making our muesli, like, and then we stopped it and we bought the stuff in. Mm. Now, this lady only liked the stuff we made. So oh. we used to make it just for her. Oh. In the end, it was like, oh, what are we doing here? Yeah. So, 
So when they did burn it again, I was like, well, are we going to charge her twice? And it's yeah. like, no, it didn't work like that. No. So, so she doesn't thing. get muesli now? Uh, now she buys it in 10 kilo lots okay. and freezes it down for herself. Oh, so you can freeze muesli? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, cause it's, yeah. Oh, another tip. Oh, and technology now is like you can pretty much freeze, <laughs> freeze anything except vodka. Well, oh, you know, shame. Yeah. I've tried. Yeah. Oh, shame. Mm. But, you know, it doesn't last long enough in my house. No, anyway. that's right. That's why I, I wonder about setting up a cellar. Yeah, no. People say it's an investment. No, it's not. <laughs> you got to you got to drink it. That's right. Just look at it. No, I, I don't get. And also, you never things are only an investment if you're going to realise the, the value. Yeah. And I'm never going to realise the value of my jewellery or no. of my wine because no. I'm going to drink it. I'm going to wear it and keep yeah, that's it. Right. I'm never going to sell it. Yeah. So that's why? Right. I don't give get it. To, it. Give it to the kids. <laughs> not the well, wine. Jewellery. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, now this is another thing we had on the menu last night, which right. um, was delicious. Uh-oh. Brussels sprouts. Oh, I Hate love them Brussels. normally. I love Brussels sprouts. These now, were good. These are great. These are called well-cooked sprouts. They and, sure and were. And for good reason. So we steam them. So we, we as steam them or boil them. Boil them's a good way of doing but, it. But so they were small. Did you take off the outer? Yeah, you take the outside outer leaves, leaves off because that's where the, like, they've been growing in a field. Yes. And, and so get rid of them. So boil them until they're soft. Yes. So boil them until they're really soft yep. and then drain them really, really well. Okay. Okay. Pat them dry. Pat them dry. Okay, yep. and then we deep fry them so oh. they're crisp. So then they get crisp again. So they were boiled, then they get crisp, yep. and they're really cooked. Delicious. And then we we finish them off with chestnuts. Yep, and some mustard oh, that's sauce. what they were chestnuts. Yeah, <gasps> chestnuts. They were good. And what did you do to the chestnuts? Uh, they're just like they're grated essentially. That's it. Yeah. Raw, like they're not cooked. Well, cooked chestnuts. Yeah. Right. So they're cooked. Che- well, they're only steamed, but they're, they're yeah. steamed. Yeah. Well, oh. basically, they're cooked once they. Once so cooked, yummy. Perfect. And then olive oil or uh, salt? olive oil and mustard sauce. Oh, mustard so like the a mustard, mustard sauce yeah. was delicious. And we like to finish it with a bit of horseradish right at the end. To yeah, get, a bit of get fiery. They were good. In fact, I didn't yeah. even know what they were when I was eating yeah. them at first. Now I yeah. thought, oh, they taste a bit Brussels sprouty. Yeah. They're really yummy. I love Brussels sprouts. Oh, I love them too. I mean, autumnal. Well, I, they are autumnal. <laughs> I, I have never liked them. But I really liked these ones last night. I love Brussels sprouts. So I'm going to try to do that. They're a little bit metallic and and kind of bitter. No. Anyway, not the way you do them. No. (laughs) Well, thanks for coming in again. See you next week. See you next week. Bye.